profound. And you're like, nah, you're going to dig some rocks into the ground, dude. And you're going to, and people are going to look at you funny. Hi folks. Welcome to the beloved presence podcast. This is Leslie Davidson and I am your high priestess of holy shit. So welcome to part two of my collab with Shivani from Solace and Shine. Uh, Shivani is an intuitive artist and a medium and um, a sannyasin on the yogic path. She has an ashram in the Purcell Mountains in BC where they have a bakery and a farm and they do courses. Um, Today's episode, man, we talked about so much. Uh, We talked about yogic yoga uh, ecology and um, being indigenous to place and we talk about writing and we talk about language and we try basically to normalize the conversation that plants animals land earth are equal to beings that we are nature and nature is kin so what do you see happening because i know you're a medium and i know you practice you 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 practice prophecy. I don't know how to say that properly. In um, in Irish, it's well, called tor. I'm not a crystal ball. I don't. No. I, I very consciously try not to see what's going to happen. But sometimes I get shown in time, spaces, and illusion what is already possible now. Mm. If love we can that. celebrate to it. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like, well, this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen because I'm a terrible gambler. You know, if I say it's black, then it's red. And, you know, so I learned a long time ago not to do that. But um, that what what my the light beings that I work with. So I, wor- I work with a series of light beings that are sort of my team. And then mm-hmm. I also work as a medium for people that are nonverbal or have advanced Alzheimer's um, oh, okay. who can't speak. And I will support their families by channeling their guides interesting yeah to give them an understanding of what their experience is so that they can make the decisions for their family members that are that resonate better and not just intellectual right Um, awesome which is pretty cool but the light beings that I work with they they're they're not they keep they keep saying to me that one we're ahead of schedule they're very happy yeah they're (laughs) when they say that they're like you guys are like going for it. I'm like, I'm not here to muck about, dude. I, I agreed to the meat suit, but that does not mean that this is fun. Um, and, and I remember what it's like to not have the meat suit. So, you know, let's get going. Um, and do show me that uh, the, the layers of waking up that is happening right from the crystalline DNA in the waters and how that filters into the plants actually waking up in a way that remembers, oh, we can now live in harmony with humans again. Because the humans have, I was asked to go to, in, invited by the beings to go to Mexico at the end of January. And I was told that there's a ley line between where I live now and um, which is, you know, I reside on the unceded territory of the Tinaha Nation in the Purcell Mountains. And we uh, there's a ley line that goes from here down to the base of the Santa Maria Mountains down at the base of Mexico. 
And so I was invited to take three things from this land here that resonate from here, where we do all of these mantras and all of the sadhana and, you know, these practices, and then take them down to where the spring comes out of the mountains, of the Santa Maria mountains. And they showed me specific frequencies to call in, to ask to come and to ask to seed this into the waterfall so that the waterfall, as the water went over these things, um, it would it would resonate to wake up the DNA of the water. Then all the people drinking that water, all of the plants absorbing that water would come into a remembrance. And, you know, when you're there and you're like, oh my God, this is going to be so magical and everything. Well, I, I don't think like that anymore, but um I, I know people like go to go to things and they're like it's gonna be profound and you're like nah you're gonna dig some rocks into the ground dude and you're gonna and people are gonna look at you funny and that's and okay. there's gonna be mosquitoes and maybe you're gonna get diarrhea yeah and- exactly you're gonna throw up for 24 hours and, you know uh and it's gonna be great and, it's gonna be um, real it's gonna be it's gonna be real exactly but yeah. there's two things that happened that made me go one of them was about 20 minutes after I did what I was asked to do. Our, our, our guide, a gentleman from that area, very connected to the, oh my God, the wisdom, the ecology wisdom that this man holds is absolutely beautiful. I could just listen to him talk all day about his relationship with the land and, um, and the birds and the animals and the turtles. He's just beautiful. And, uh, I went for a swim in the waterfall afterwards and received the three rocks from the waterfall that wanted to come here with me and then to Arizona in October, uh, which is my next stop. And then uh, he turned to me and he looked at me and he went, I was here yesterday and this did not feel like this yesterday. This feels like when I was on mushrooms, something is different. Uh, This is really weird. He said, like, there's, I feel like I'm in a trance. He used the word trance. I feel like I'm in a trance. Like I was on mushrooms or something. This is really weird. Something has changed. And I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. (laughs) good to know that you feel that and then within 24 hours there was an earthquake here oh um just 20 minutes from here we never get earthquakes we are not in earthquake territory um and 20 minutes from this property into the heart of the mountains there was a 3.8 earthquake within 24 hours um and it was it was really profound and now they're like and now in october the last half of october you have to go to Sedona and, and do the same thing. And I'm like, okay. I love that. I love all of that. Like, I think, I think this message is important to get out too, that these small, small acts are profound. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to, save the whole earth do you know what I mean like every action towards any being is Mm -hmm. helping the whole like your backyard is the earth everything that you do is exactly exactly is is you don't have to fly to places and do this and if I didn't 
somebody else would have. There's no, there's more than just me capable of doing these things. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it just happens mm-hmm. that I really like Mexico. So I'm like, yo, okay, let's go to Mexico. Yeah, well, you like, wanted Sweet. to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's not like, it's not me that has to do this work. If I am unable or unwilling to step up, there are other beings that are capable and will be asked to step up. And finally, somebody will say yes. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm in for the, I'm in for the adventure. Do what um, you're called to do. Like, yes. Awesome. Yeah. Like, great. I think it's, it's great. It's what's needed. Yeah. I have a question about, um, like, I keep getting the sense that, um, what role do you feel that indigenous peoples on Turtle Island in particular are playing for this? Or now, what is, or do you know, is that something that you would know? Is that none of our business? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, cause I just keep yeah. getting the sense over and over that like, there's a partnership, there's a partnership, there's a partnership that, mm-hmm. that needs to happen, but I don't, well, I, I don't know what that I, means. I can't, I can't say that I have answers or I understand, you know, there's going to be many different people that have different perspectives and different understandings. Um, as a white woman living in North America, born in New Zealand, but only by about three generations before that Ireland and Scotland, you know, like I've had to really understand. It's like, well, hold on. As again, I, I reference Robin Wall Kimmer because I loved her um, her definitions of the term native versus indigenous. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is an incredible body of wisdom of right relationship with spirit and right relationship with land that has been carried through the lineage of native communities that has been completely and utterly disgustingly uh, engaged with by the colonialism, uh, white mentality. I'm not saying skin color. I'm saying mentality of colonialism, patriotism, um, uh, patriarchy. but white mentality is not a, a, a skin color, but it is predominantly experienced by the privilege of that mentality has come through that lineage. But there's a, as Robin Wall Kimmerer expresses, there's a difference between native, which means your bloodline can be traced to holding this body of wisdom in right relationship with spirit and land and indigenous and indigenous is not limited to native. And, you know, this is a very tricky subject for, for many people. And as a yogini, learning, listening, worshiping the land where I rest, where I'm karmically bound to, I did not choose to come to this place. This place called me. It is my responsibility to learn and remember how to come into right relationship. Now, whether that comes through Vedanta and Tantra, whether that comes through the Celtic lineage, because the Celtic lineage is, and and the Scottish lineage is very much in same right relationship and resonance, the same bandwidth of resonance as native, Mm -hmm. because it's about, it's not about, uh, 
uh, humans being in relationship with other humans of like, you know, the indigenous and the native, blah, 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 blah. it's about humans in relationship with spirit and with land and with land as spirit. Um, and I, I think we got to stop looking at each other and, and looking at where we stand and what our hearts can resonate with because the trees are not looking at your skin color. The trees are looking at the resonance of your heart. You know? Yeah. The trees themselves have said to me, when a being walks barefoot on our tummy with thank yous on every heartbeat, then they sow gold into the land with every Ugh. step. You know, this is what the Ma Ponderosa has said to me. when. When my two dogs went missing, I was out morale picking like 30K out into the back, back, back of the Purcell Mountains where there was a wildfire a couple of years ago. And they, they the, it was a mom and like a four-month-old puppy. And this, this, this mother dog, you know, she'd borne her little puppies into my hands. And I just loved these, these beings, the puppy dogs. I just loved the puppy dogs with everything I got. And uh, they, they went off and they chased something. I thought they were with my husband. My husband thought they were with me. They, they must have chased a deer or something and they were missing. And I left my sweater there. I came back the, ne the next day. I left a new sweater there so they could feel that my scent was um, reactivated. And I, I told the trees there, I will come back. I will come back. I will, you know, I hired a psychic and they were like, they're still alive. And I'm like, great. And um, after about four days of going back and forth, which is a long way to drive back and forth every day out there, um, I finally, and, and I feel that this is, this was the point of the entire experience. I finally got to my knees. I finally was just like, I've done everything humanly possible. And if I am a divine being in communion with the divine presence of Gaia, then it's not just me that has to, to, to do this. So I took my tears, my ugly tears, my swearing like a sailor. Uh, <laughs> I can get a little feisty. Um, my, my swearing like a sailor, like, you fix this. Like, you've got to find these dogs. Like, if you're like, the, the, uh, the fungus is like going through the whole and I believe that you can talk to each other and the birds I know you can talk to the birds and I know the birds will listen to you and I know you can get messages to the animals <laughs> and I know that this is like alive if you want me to stop living like you're not alive then you have to start talking to me and I took my tears and I poured them like rubbed them into the bark of the ponder ma ponderosa and I like like lost it at the foot of her. And I just got this really strong, really strong frequency of a message that said, you're right, but if we find your dogs, we have to write our story. Mm. And I'm like, I'm not a writer. I, I barely have any command of the England language. I'm like, I'm dyslexic, I can't spell, and the grammar's terrible. And uh, they were like, you have to write a story. If you, you have to write how you've come into remembrance of right relationship with land. 
if we find the dog, if we can get the dogs. And I was like, right, you find the dogs, I'll write your book, you know, in that spicy kind of way. So the next day we went to a farmer's market, sold a bunch of bread, came home exhausted. And I said to my husband, let's just go out once more. Um, you know, I've, I've cried so much this week. Let's just go out once more. And we were driving out and about a kilometer before where we lost them, uh, as we were driving down the road, these two little dogs just came around the corner and started running towards the truck. And my husband stops the truck. And like before he stops the truck, I'm like halfway out the door, like falling out of the truck. And the little puppy runs away because she's scared. Um, but the mama re recognized it was me. And I just fell to the ground in the middle of the road. And then the mama dog just cried. And she cried and cried as she ran to me and she just jumped into my arms and then the puppy realized that it was fine and she jumped into my arms too. And, and then that was 2019 and I'm like, now I got to write this book. So I'm in the last stages of writing Land's Breath as, a, as, a, as part of my agreement. And to do that, I had to stop teaching for about a year. I had to stop teaching and I had to go into tree school and listen. And I would sit <laughs> under the Ponderosa and I would start writing the story and the transmission of the story of what was important for the humans to go through to learn to remember came through in this entire story. And I'm hoping it'll come out next year sometime. Yeah. That's beautiful. I can't wait to read it. That's like <laughs> me neither. <laughs> this is the kind of thing like this is this is why reading Robin Wall Kimmerer was so important to me and so revolutionary is because it, it's not out there like it's it's not out there like this is not information that is being shared regularly and stood for and and normalized in mm -hmm. in our society like it's mm -hmm. it's not and I it was like a homecoming to me so mm -hmm. please share that I'll tell everyone I know that it's there you know, cause we yeah. need, it needs to just the, the repeated message and like last, like, let them love you. Let the trees love you. Let mm -hmm. the earth love you. Like that's, mm -hmm. they're constantly communicating their oneness with us constantly, constantly, mm -hmm. constantly. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah, I'm glad you got your dogs back. Oh, I did. I did. <laughs> I'm glad. What are your dog's names? Yeah. Mom was Tuppence and the baby was Bubbles. And <laughs> that was in the bubbles. Tuppence and Bubbles. And the. Hi, folks. This is just a trigger warning to let you know that there's a little bit of puppy grief that happens. Um, nothing major or graphic, but I won't submit you to beloved pet loss without your permission. So skip to 2235 if you're not here for it. Um, Shivani does share the story with the context of grief as a tool for spiritual growth and wisdom, but it's your choice and I don't want to spring it on you. The, that was in the spring and then in the fall that year, they went missing again because it was hunting season and there's carcasses laid about from the hunters and of course the dogs can smell it and, and they went missing again and then that uh, that night, it was, it was such a perfect storm that night that they went missing about 10 30 at night bubbles came back, but Tuppence didn't. 
And the next morning I came down with such an acute air infection. I actually had to go to hospital and have a general anesthetic and, and have surgery on my ear. And when I came back, um, I still, I, I could hardly walk. So I took a walking stick and I was walking around trying to find tuppence. And when I sat in my living room, actually, I've never told this story before. So I don't, I trust why it's coming through now, but um, tuppence gone because she was like my child. Um, but Bubbles was there. And when I would call tuppence, Bubbles would howl for her mom. And I, I could feel something bubbling up inside of me. And I told my husband, please take our son and don't come back for a couple of hours because I'm about to lose my shit. And I sat on the floor. I still had general anesthetic. I, I could hardly hear out of one ear. I was really sick. And my dog was missing again. And I put my hands on the floor and I closed my eyes and I could viscerally, like not just imagine, but viscerally, my body went through the entire experience of birthing a child. And in my, in this visceral experience, it was in Ireland with the nuns of birthing a child and this child being taken from me before I could see it. And that's what Tuppence leaving brought forth out of me was this collective grief of the children of the light being taken by the religious by the power over and it was there's I can't think of another example except for maybe losing my son that would have on the resonance level brought that depth of despair and grief um to the surface for me and then within a couple of days i got very strong intuition that um they were at a carcass and the wolves wolves came and bubbles uh tuppence would have told bubbles to go and would have would have tried to protect her puppy and and was killed and so she showed me what happened to her but really there's that that seed of memory would have stayed inside of me if I had not had to go through that experience. So all of these experiences we're having, they're to stimulate memory so that we can not hold it anymore because that's the weight we're carrying, this grief of, of these different things. So yeah. yeah so Tuppence isn't with us anymore, um, but Bubbles is, my little Bubbleitas, and she's, a joy, as you would imagine. Yes. <laughs> but the They're name hard to lose. Yes. Yeah. She's a border collie. She's a purebred border collie. So she is high energy. Land is always teaching us, whether it's through the animals or through the trees or through the birds. There's always communication going on if, if we have the ears to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I um I have a need and a desire to share this depth of love that I have for nature, trees, animals, everything that I've never felt before. It's always been something that I've hidden because the response that you get when you when you say, Oh, well, like plants and trees just and animals just as valuable as people. And people are like, what? 
And you're like, okay, I'm going to keep that to myself from now on. No, no, please don't. Please don't. I know. Like, but that's. Sing it loud. It's necessary. It's, this is, this is what's happening right now. And it's what's needed. Yeah. That, and even it's so funny in writing Land's Breath, um, because it's written from three different paradigms of consciousness. You have somebody who's asleep trying to wake up. You've got somebody who's awake. And then you you have the land uh, herself as a voice. And so what's really been fascinating for me and really fun is to not only connect to the frequency of that paradigm that they're functioning from, but writing it in that way in what letters do you capitalize? How mm. do you speak of so raven without, without objectification <laughs> of the raven? You know, if you're asleep, you would say that raven. If you're awake, you would say raven, like raven. you're part of your family, right? So true. So then so I'm trying true. to write yes. in the book, like these different levels of awareness to the languaging because English is such a, rudimentary clunky um objectified yeah objectifying language like how in the world are we supposed to shift consciousness into a realm that is sentient and connected when our mother tongue literally is objectification Mm -hmm. like how we've got to start actually speaking differently you're right you're right the one advantage that english has is that it can be non-gendered like that's that's the only advantage yeah it's, I can yeah, it's not right like now. french or spanish where it's right like, exactly is, it's a male letter and it's a female yeah. bucket you know it's like really <laughs> yeah and that can't do like that has to affect your brain it has to affect your your ability to perceive like it has to so yes, talking differently, I think is, um, is, is necessary. I think that's really interesting that you saw that and recognize that as you were writing. That's really, uh, and then you give it to an neat. editor and they're like, why is this? What's this? Why do you not have the, and I'm like, just really? leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this does not make sense. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. And, you know, maybe you don't want to publish it and that is totally fine. But I have to, my, my contract is with Ma Ponderosa. My, my contract is not with a publisher that right. is trying to, to feed it to the humans at where the humans are at. My, my contract is to Ma and, and just trust that it'll be created and it, and it will come out. And then in 20 years. Well, it'll go where it's needed. It, it will be there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I love that. Can't wait to read it. <laughs> <laughs>